right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos. The Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, subscribe, follow, share, whatever you can do to support the Lakers Fast Break, it is truly appreciated. Plus, I highly, highly recommend and please ask you if you can support not only us at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, but also NBA Draft Junkies, also Run the Floor, and also, because there's a lot of alsos, Lakerholics.com. Another nail biter again for the Lakers. But if you're following what we've seen so far in the playoffs, Denver, and if you're a Denver fan, they have the Lakers right where they want them. Three <laughs> games to one after a 114 to 108 win over the Denver Nuggets tonight. Basically, it was a nail biter throughout. You got to give credit for Denver for hanging in there all the way. They played a great game, had an outstanding performance from Murray. Jamal Murray just really was the star of the game because he just did an incredible job of putting in shot after shot after shot. I had gone on the program with J.B. Ellis just before the game, and I said the key would be for the Lakers to try and make Jamal Murray inefficient. Well, that certainly wasn't the case, but they were able to go ahead and get average games from Nikola Jokic and Jeremy Grant as opposed to the really great games that they had in game three. So I think that was probably the difference right there. Plus, the offensive rebounding and the rebounding as a whole was much better today. In fact, the second chance points the Lakers dominated, and I think that was the key right there. But here today to talk with me about all the great things that are going on with the Lakers fast break are three great guys indeed. First up, want to hear from my good friend, you got to check out his great site, NBA Draft Junkies, available now on YouTube or NBADraftJunkies.com. Be part of all these great, awesome, and fantastic videos that he has covering the NBA Draft. Just rows after rows after rows on YouTube right now waiting for you after the show, of course. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, always great to have you on the program. Your first thoughts when it comes to today's game. Like you said, another nail biter. It was a game that could have went either way, but um, you know the Lakers just got big plays, big possessions when they needed them. Offensive rebounds ended up being, in my opinion, the difference maker in the game. Once the game got tight, Rondo had a, a big offensive rebound. AD had some tap outs, and then um, LeBron switching on to Murray. He made two big defensive plays that that kind of stifled Denver's momentum. Absolutely. I mean, it was just uh, some clutch plays down the, the, you know, as the game got closer to, to its finale and just really, it was just some clutch performances right there and some timely free throws, which as both you and I know, and have seen from LeBron sometimes does not happen when you need it to happen, but I'm sure glad he made his free throws. And of course, Anthony Davis doing a terrific job of just being Anthony Davis all game long sensational performance i'm worried about his ankle because he did roll his ankle during the course of the game and he had to retie his shoe and, and the trainer was out and everybody was panicking so you don't know after icing it and treating it how well it's going to feel tomorrow and going forward but it's a great concern but uh, you know he was in there enough to get the victory tonight and also here to talk about today's game is a good man indeed he's one of the blog editors for lakerholics.com be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com, where not only Raphael provides videos, I provide podcasts. Laker Tom does some great things as well. Jamie Sweet, who hopefully will join us later on in the program. But it is Magic Man, a.k.a. Sean Grice. And Sean, what are your initial thoughts on today's game? Wow, Gerald, as a first responder, I have to say, I felt like grabbing the nitroglycerin in my pack. When Anthony Davis rolled his ankle, um, I was I was literally saying, "Oh no, oh no!" Because the the grimace on his face it wasn't necessarily the way he felt, but he was in so much pain. It seemed like a little bit worse than when LeBron a couple games ago rolled his ankle, and you heard the loud yelp 
but he, as Raphael calls him, like just the just the robot, the android that he is. He just tied his shoes and went on from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's stoic in pain, man. I mean, it's it's unreal how stoic he is. He's stoic at the free throw line. Stoic when he's taking a turnaround jumper when he got poked in the eye. Stoic when he's when he's giving an interview. Even keel dude. I mean, and I love having him as a Laker. And I probably annoyed the hell out of the blog last year when Dell Dems tried to pull a fast one on us. And I was just screaming that we should just continue to try and acquire him. Because no matter what you give up, we are one game away from an NBA Finals. And that's what it's all about. And that's what it's all about indeed. But also here today to talk to us about today's game. And you know he's got a lot to, to say. And if you don't think he has a lot to say on today's show, my goodness, wait for the 15,533 articles that he has lined up in the chamber, as Raphael would say, waiting mm-hmm. to come at you in the not-too-distant future. Is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing at LakerHollis.com, plus his articles on Medium. It is Laker Tom and Laker Tom. The floor is yours. I'm glad you still have a heart that's beating, my friend, because I know that's always an issue <laughs> with games like these. Well, you know, I, I frankly prefer blowouts when I when the Lakers play, but uh, it's a lot easier on it's a lot easier stress, and there's a lot less yelling around the house. Um, yesterday afternoon, my neighbor came over and nicely asked me if I, I could maybe tone down the screaming during the games. <laughs> with, the windows, with the windows open and it being, you know, hot out and everything. And so, so I, I tried really hard. I tried really hard, you know, and uh, there were a few yelps that we got out there. But, uh, wow, what a great game. Um, I am I'm really impressed with the fact that Frank Vogel finally – started Dwight Howard. I told my uh, I told my, one of my daughters, my older daughter, that I said if there's a 77-year-old man doing cartwheels right now, it's Laker <laughs> Tom. <laughs> I was picturing you know, that. You know, the, <laughs> it's, always that, it's always that trade-off when you – and I and I posted this in the site too. But yeah, you know, there's a danger that Dwight could foul out or get in foul trouble and not be available in the fourth quarter. Ironically, he didn't play very much in the fourth quarter. But the other side of that – the other side of that coin is that he could get uh, – Nikola Jokic in foul trouble, and uh, that's a lot what happened. Um, they they just couldn't keep him off of the board. So those five offensive rebounds uh, in the first half uh, kept the Lakers uh, in that game, and 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 really uh, that combination of that and 87 for seven start um, really set the tone. Um, and then give credit to, to Jamal Murray, who continues to impress. Um, a hard, hard cover, man. I mean, he's got so many quirky little moves and so forth, and uh, he's learned to be a much better passer. Um, he kept them in the game all the way down until the end, until LeBron basically bothered him on a couple of last-minute shots in order to create uh, uh, baskets where we would uh, stops that we could go and turn around and then extend out that lead. Um, this was a game that, uh, man, if you would love basketball and you love guys stepping up, uh, the role players on both teams did a fabulous job. I mean, I couldn't count the number of times that KCP hit clutch baskets or Dwight got a clutch basket. Kuzma made a couple of clutch baskets. On the other side, Grant and Morris were terrific. And uh, and even even Porter Jr., you know, he ended the half with a couple of threes to keep, keep them in the game. Um, as impressive as it was for the Nuggets to come from behind and to, and to continue to stay within that five to 10 point range, almost the entire night. It was also impressive for the Lakers to not give up that lead and to basically hold on to it and find a way to, to stretch it out. Um, they made the free throws. You know, I, I watched the game at halftime at halftime, two point shots and three point shots were even in the third quarter, two point shots and three point shots were even at the end of the second, third quarters. It was, free throws that were the difference in the game. And in the end, it, it really came down to the free throws again. You know, we won we won the free throw line by eight. We lost the two-point shots by two. Um, 
this game was won, maybe by uh, by Frank Vogel complaining that LeBron wasn't getting fouled and and you know creating that that dynamic in the referees that you know hey you know there is a little bit of home court advantage that that's one of the home court advantages that you lose you know without having a home crowd screaming at the refs and so forth um, and I kind of felt like there was a I kind of felt like there was a trade there you know they they never like to reverse. That last foul that they called on LeBron that uh, Frank challenged, I didn't think was a foul because it was obviously Murray lunging his arm into LeBron's chest. Um, but on the other side, I thought LeBron did foul him on that last on one of those last two layups, which they didn't call, and I thought that was kind of a makeup call there. Um, but a great game by the Lakers. Uh, a lot of credit and, and respect has to go out to the to the uh, Nuggets. Um, like I said in the article that I wrote for Lakerholics.com, this was another game where the Nuggets had their back to the wall because they ain't going to come back three straight and they ain't going to have three straight one-three comebacks, not against the Lakers. Well, Rafael, I want to ask you this. I think the second chance points was 24 to 5, if I'm not mistaken. 25 20, to 6. 25, 25 to, six. to 6. Okay, 25 to 6. Thank you, Laker Tom. I think that's the key. I think it was desire. I think it was energy. And I think this was something that we needed to see from the Lakers in the previous game that we didn't. And to me, I saw a much more livelier bunch. I saw a team that had a sense of urgency. And I saw a team that was very respectful and understood the gravity now of the situation that they didn't in the previous game. Yeah. I mean, that Rondo offensive rebound at the end may have been the biggest play of the game in a sense. Um, and then the, the little, I don't know if he got a steal or if they um, missed shot, but the possession where he got the ball, he let everybody pass him up and then he nailed the, the jump shot at the elbow. That Those are big plays. But again, I think the offensive rebound, like I said earlier, um, Rondo's offensive rebound, even though I, I don't think he got fouled, I think they anticipated a foul on that. And then uh, I think Davis had a tap out yeah, Morrison up, and so those were two big plays. I mean, it's backbreaking if you're the defense and you get a stop, especially against a team like the Lakers, and you get a stop, and then you don't get the offensive rebound. And then for it to happen twice was just that was just too much for Denver to overcome. Absolutely. Now I'm back in the train station. I've still got my ticket. <laughs> I'm not quite there. Be. I'm not quite be. there yet. I mean, 11 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Those numbers are good, but they don't, you're not like eye popping, you know, playoff Rondo, like he's going to be trending on Twitter here in a minute. But I wanted to ask you this, Sean, with Rondo playing effectively, I just asked over the past couple of weeks when we've been teasing about that going back and forth, whether or not I'm going to jump on the playoff Rondo train. I just wanted good enough Rondo. And tonight, that's exactly what I got. Yeah, he was good enough, Gerald. I mean, with, with Denver, yes, they're missing Will Barton, but it's an embarrassment of riches they have at the guard position. You have Torrey Craig, who's a really great defender, and Monte Morris was really great tonight. He was clutch. He wasn't afraid to go into the lane amongst the trees and make some shots. And I think you need a Rondo and you need a Caruso or a combination of the two to be able to counter whoever is playing beside Jamal Murray. Absolutely. I was telling Tom to shh because you're talking, man. You're talking. But even P.J. Dozier, who played a significant role in the last game, got zero minutes. He barely even got on the floor today. I mean, Two games ago. I don't think he played last game either. No, thought- he didn't. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's two right. Games two games. Ago. Yeah, it was. It was the right. You're right. It was the miraculous shot by Davis game that he was in there. So he didn't even get a chance to play. So you're right. It is a wealth of riches, and we're not even counting Will Barton, who plays like that guard slash forward spot, who isn't even in uh, the game because he's hurt. And Raphael, you mentioned that could be a key why Denver could be the difference why Denver is not leading at this point in time. You're excusing. You're forgetting about Avery Bradley. And Will Barton could be the difference as far as it's concerned. <laughs> Just every every play. Yeah, I mean, both teams are missing. Yeah, a, a key rotation. Fair, yeah, so I mean that's that's fair. Um, 
Yeah, just I mean, it's funny because you know what Denver's going to do. You know, late in games, fourth quarter, they're going to run a, a dribble handoff or a pick and roll between Murray and uh, and Jokic, and you know they were able to make another comeback. But I think what's the close they got it to four? No, they got to four one. Five? They got to down to one. Uh, in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Well, down to one, okay. and the Lakers went on a 6-0 run. Oh, yeah, I think Rondo. Didn't Rondo have, like, a steal or a couple st- steal or something like that? Yep. yep. I mean, back to playoff Rondo, I don't think you can necessarily judge it by the statistics. Like, he just makes timely plays. and um, That's what I'm saying. Good enough. Good enough. Not eye-popping, you know, this is not what he hasn't done in no, but, 10 uh, years, Rondo. This is just, it's good enough, Rondo. Smart play at the right time. It's special play that nobody else on the team could have made in a lot of yeah. those situations. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's, that's really what Raphael is saying, that, that you can look at it as simple plays and you can look at it as, as maybe not huge stats. Or being at the right place at, at it, the right if time. If you look at it in the complex context of the entire game, he was at the critical points in, in these games, you know. Um, the Lakers wouldn't be up 3-1 if it wasn't for Rajon Rondo. Well, that's that championship savvy that he has. I mean, it's yeah, just knowing Rondo. where to be. Yeah. Well, I think of it this way. Imagine if you were rooting against the Lakers. You would hate Rondo. Of course. Because of course. he's a guy that you think, like, oh, let him shoot, and he keeps making clutch jumpers. He made a clutch three-pointer in one of the games. Um, three today. A lot of people were hating Rondo, and they were Lakers fans during the course of the season. I so not to. Uh... Yeah, and um, yeah, he just keeps coming up with these these timely plays that you you're like, where did he come from? Like that offensive rebound, he wanted that rebound more than anybody on the floor. And I he think really, in a way, he was really up in the air on that one. Yeah, he too. was up in the air. And I think the lack of respect he gets as a shooter has always kind of helped him in a sense in his career because in Boston he was a great cutter because you would, you know, you're you're paying attention to Ray or Paul or KG and you're not guarding Rondo and he would make timely cuts. And then even in this series, or even just in his playoffs, he's been getting a lot of wide open shots. But even if the defense isn't guarding him, it's allowing him to come in and, and crash and get these rebounds and these extra chance points. And so you just can't judge him statistically. I mean, he's made an impact. If I had to choose who is the Lakers' third best player overall in the playoffs, I'd have to say it's Rondo. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to agree with you on that. Go ahead, I'd Sean. Agree. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and what I really admired, when Plumlee was at the free throw line, he was toe-tapping – <laughs> trying to distract him and he got called for a lane violation but he tried to do it again and he did it in a different sequence and he obviously saw something on film to to try something like that that the guy is so damn observant or he's yep. so damn observant in the film room he really doesn't miss anything like and I know the speed is gone a little bit and like Raphael was saying there's, you know, he's had an attitude issue with coaches in the past, but the mind is still there. It's sharp as ever. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Laker Tom, I mean, if you're the Lakers, you've got to be thinking to yourself, okay, we're up 3-1, everything's groovy, but we've seen this scenario before already twice in the playoffs. What? And in fact, you saw this scenario last game with the Lakers being very complacent in the way they played. I want to hear your thoughts. You're shaking your head no already and that it's done and deal, but 
Okay, you you're the man who actually had the broom in his closet ready to take on out. So before you go ahead yeah, and take my, my prediction was always Lakers in five. Your prediction was Lakers in five, indeed. But what do the Lakers need to do on the next game in order to go ahead and fight off any complacency and basically because now it's a do or die for Denver and they're going to be fighting and scratching and we've seen from them already twice before that they're going to be fighting for all they're worth. You know. I kind of disagree with the whole idea that by coming out a little bit overconfident in game three that we we instilled some sort of confidence in the Nuggets. I think that's actually an affront to the to the Nuggets. You know, I I, I don't think I, I think that they've played the Lakers pretty well in games two and three. The Lakers Could've won both games. Could have lost both games. But the Lakers came out complacent so, in game three. The carelessness. I'm telling you, man. No, I saw it's human it. It's human, it's human nature, Gerald. Um, and and it just caught them. They came out flat, and sometimes people come out flat. Sometimes they come out energy. Uh, it's to, the big difference is game game five is an elimination game, and LeBron James is going to come out, and Anthony Davis is going to come out, and Frank Vogel is going to make sure the team is ready to play an elimination game, and as Great as the Nuggets have been in winning six straight elimination games, I would, I would, I don't think that they have a chance in the world of beating the Lakers three straight, and that's going to take a little bit of heart out of them, because you know you can't, you just can't keep hoping for miracles. There's a law of averages. There's karma that comes around, and it's it's not going to happen. And and the Lakers know also too that they've got probably a pretty tough team in Miami that they're going to have to play in the finals. And the last thing they want to do is to have a dragged out series while Miami cruises in and rests everybody. And so you've already got Lakers in Miami. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I already have well, Lakers in Miami. He's got his articles in the chamber already. I don't think the Celtics are going to come back. I, I, I deleted the Celtics article. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually did. I had it. I only had about five paragraphs, but I deleted the article because well, I don't think they have a chance, well, and I don't think the Nuggets have a chance. Don, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, um, this is now the Western Conference Finals. So it, hats off to Denver. Came five back, games to go. They came back from three-one in the first round. Came back from 3-1 in the semis. They played a Clippers team that didn't deserve to, to advance. And now you're down 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals. So now it's balls to the wall, Denver. To all you fans out there. Now it's balls to the wall. What do you got? Because now it's a best of three and you got to sweep us. And like Tom said, I, in the elimination game, I'm. I have to research LeBron's record, but I don't recall him ever losing a playoff series when his team was up 2-0. And I he has 17 and 0 is his record when a team yeah. is up 2-0. Yeah, so 17 and zero. How about three yeah, one? It, it, it's difficult to beat this. Wouldn't man. matter. He's he's undefeated in three one if he was undefeated at 2-0. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, he also understands the urgency at the moment too, because he was down three-one once, right? In a huge moment. So I don't think he's going to. Like I said earlier, I I just believe that the Lake the Lakers leadership is showing through here and now, rather than what the Clippers had, because LeBron and Rondo do understand their urgency here. Remember, Rondo. Rondo was on a team that was um, up, I believe, 3-2 against the Lakers twice, and he won once, and he lost once. So he understands the urgency of an elimination game as well. Well, absolutely. The other, the other side of the elimination is is the pressure on the Lakers because if you have a 3-1 lead, and then all of a sudden, it's you look at the games, a 2-0 game, is a big game for because just of the simple fact that LeBron's won 17 straight when he leads 2-0. You get up 3-1 all of a sudden, that's a whole different thing. You allow a team to come back 3-2, you 
and you're in a you're in a track meet then, because all I have to do is is to come back and win that, and by a fluke or whatever, win that sixth that sixth game to make it three three, and then it's anybody's game. So it it's the stakes go up for the team that's ahead every time, and the Lakers came through today make it 3-1, they're not going to slack off. They're not going to come out overconfident. Well, I want to ask you this. Since you guys are already writing your epitaphs on the Denver Nuggets, <laughs> Raphael, you're a little bit more level-headed about these things. That's why I go to you for infinite wisdom on this. I want to hear your thoughts being, because you always provide an objective view I mean, that, that Laker Tom, myself, or Magic Man can't always give because we're, we're ardent Lakers fans. So I want to ask you this. Uh, what's your thoughts on the series now? Is it over? I know <laughs> in the past, your it's over hasn't always been over, but I want to hear your thoughts on this series and where it stands. I had to laugh because you said I give an objective view, and I'm the same guy that said it was over, and I wasn't even interested in watching Game 5 in the last <laughs> – in the Nuggets um, Clippers series. So I remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no – I, I, I definitely think Denver's going to put up a fight. But if I were a betting man and I had to bet, I mean, I'm not going to bet against the Lakers, you know, giving up a 3-1 lead. No, and uh, I, I'm not going to bet it on it either. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that the Lakers are going to win. But, you know, Laker Tom already has them winning in five. Magic Man has them already winning in five. I'm, I, no, I'm, I, I'm, I said six. Oh, you said six? Okay, I think I said six. I'm pretty sure I said six. So I just want to make sure that they go ahead and, and just stay focused. If they go out and they play hard and they play with energy and they still lose, hey, they lost. It's okay. They're still up. But that's well, all you want from this point forward. If they play with energy and they play with attitude and they play like they mean it, not like they did in game three, I think they will go ahead and it, you're like you said, Tom, they will not beat the Lakers three times in a row. The Lakers just have to play with energy. And I think that's all it, all they need. Yeah. And I think the key is finding out if Davis's ankle injury is, is, uh, yeah. you know, going to limit him. Cause yeah. I felt like the first the couple, unspoken. <laughs> the unspoken might be spoken. Yeah. Um, and if it limits him, I still think he'll play. And the way he's shooting the ball, he's still a threat as a shooter. Um, but, but his, you can see how much he was affected by it in that last two, three minute stretch. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I could see it clearly on how la the lack of mobility I saw from it. If, I'm sure yep. you saw the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been joking all year. Pelicans AD misses a week <laughs> <laughs> with the Lakers. Brian, like, no, you're, you're playing. <laughs> we got something bigger in mind here. You're playing. So he hasn't missed time with these little knickknack bumps and bruises that he's been known for. Well, missing, the, so. the bruised, the bruised gluteus maximus deal that was, he was out for like a week and a half or what? That, that was a pretty big fall. And that uh, was a big fall. Anybody who took and, that and, fall would and, be out and, for a game. What, he what, would have missed a month in, in, in uh, New Orleans. <laughs> there you go. I <laughs> know. Yeah, and, and it was also a hell of a shot he took Morris in the chest tonight. Yes. I mean, so. I, the, but that's that wouldn't have affected LeBron. Yeah, that no, but that was that would have bounced off LeBron. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, that was another adjustment I like by Vogel. Tried to match the physicality that Millsap and uh, the front court of the Nuggets um, employed last game. Uh, without fouling, without fouling, it's without a fouling, big, fact, yeah. big I, factor in this game. They did a was. much better job. It was. It, it was. Um, I I know Denver responded over and over again, but the physicality remained. Um, AD was a force tonight. He really was, and he made like he had, he had zero rebounds uh, at one point. I think we were somewhere. Yeah. First half, he was yeah, zero in the first half. But, first time in his career, two first halves in a row. Right, but he kept joke, uh, Joker off the line, too. Yeah, he only had five rebounds for the game, and normally you're panic if that's the situation. But sometimes, I think Brooke Lopez is probably the best example of this, how terrible, oh, he's a terrible rebounder, terrible rebounder. Terrible. But the idea is, 
Yeah, he he boxes out and he gets the other man out of the play so effectively that his other teammates rebound the ball. So while it doesn't impact his rebound numbers, the key is that the team does. And I saw that tonight where, like you said, he was bodying up. He was making sure Jokic wasn't destroying them on the offensive glass. I think that was a key. Again, was the winning the boards uh, to me was just such a key and limiting the turnovers. Laker Tom, I want to ask, I know you, like Raphael said, you were doing backflips. And I, like I said, you were doing cartwheels with Dwight Howard getting into the lineup starting to start. Do you see this going forward for the rest of the series? I don't see why not. I set you Bill's up on a done. softball. That was my softball question <laughs> to you. No, it's listen. listen you, when we talk about the physicality, Dwight's main purpose in, in the lineup is basically to let teams know that we're going to play physical. And five five rebounds, you know, he's often often I I get frustrated at Dwight because he'll get the rebound but he won't finish the points to go with the rebound. And night he was just great at that. I mean, every time he got a rebound, he went straight up and put it down again. Uh, I don't think he got any flushes on any on any dunks from lobs or anything the entire game. But boy, he was he was just fighting. He had great position for the boards, and I, I think he ended up with one foul. Well, as far as tonight, personal yeah. fouls, uh, he had uh, two fouls, which is two incredible. Fouls. Usually, he gets it, two it, fouls. It is incredible. Usually, he gets two so, offensive fouls per game. So. It's an interesting thing, you know. Frank really trusts that closing lineup, and I was surprised that he didn't uh, go to Dwight there. And I think part of it was the free throw shooting of you know in a close game that. You just don't want to have Dwight out there where he can be easily fouled as soon as he touches the ball. But uh, they have to go. They have to continue that route. JaVale came in. I don't know. I don't think he scored. Um, Zero points, and he, one and, rebound. And I don't know what it is with JaVale. He's like flailing right now to to really, you know, have an impact. He's flailing when he tries to jump for the rebounds. He's flailing, you know, when the ball gets thrown to him. Um so I, you know, I think I think, and Morris did not play well today. Morris almost made several gaffes right at the end of the game. So I think Dwight, I think Dwight's earned the the start at least for uh, the last game of this series, uh, which is going to be Friday uh, or Saturday, excuse me. And then I think uh, if he does well and he can contain him, I mean, Vogel actually put an article out to the reporters that you know Dwight would play more if he didn't foul as much and. And Dwight got the end. You know, Dwight got the word. Sean, um, he did not do any dumb fouls today. No, no dumb, no dumb screens where he was moving screen. Because, like I said, you could bet on usually every single game two yep. offensive fouls. You would have made money, except tonight you would have yes. lost money. <laughs> well, I'm glad to lose that kind of money if that's the case. Sean, no. I know you've been on several shows with us, but a word of advice: do not try to talk over Laker Tom. I've learned, I've tried, I've failed many times over. But go ahead, my friend. No, I was going to say, yeah, I, I mostly agree with that uh, um, synopsis on uh, JaVale so far. But uh, he was responsible for one of Jokic's um, offensive fouls. Yeah. Uh, he was really battling under the boards with him. At least he was trying to to body up um, um Jokic? Him. Uh, yeah, and I thought one of the key sequences in the game, again, Denver responded, but Jokic had three fouls and then picked up like a ticky-tack one against AD on a jumper, and then he picked up his fifth foul. Um, Just got to make better choices. So, yeah, over a minute later. And again, Denver kept responding, no doubt, but that was a great tactical move by Vogel and Kidd and the staff to let AD know, attack him, go after him. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Raphael, I do want to ask, though, we talked about McGee, which is the thorn in Laker Tom's side. I want to ask you this, though, with Markeith Morris. Today was actually a cold day for Morris, but he provides some physicality. But he gets targeted a lot on the defensive end, as you and I both saw. I mean, your thoughts on consistently playing him 15 to 20 minutes, even if he's not shooting the ball well from three? Who, Morris? Yes. 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's the playoffs. You're going to target somebody. And as long as you have LeBron on the floor and AD, teams are going to run go after somebody else. They're going to run away from those guys. Um, but he's not a bad defender. I mean, think about some teams wish they had, you know, a, a Morris twin to be the one guy that you target. So I don't think he's hurting the team at all in, in any way. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, who do you, who do you bring in? Sometimes I mean, Rondo bring... is that, is that player because he's not, you know, especially if Murray's on Rondo, you can see Murray salivating when, when Rondo's playing because Rondo is either feast or famine. Rondo's going to get the steal or Rondo's going to get blown by. It's usually yeah. either which case. But uh, you're right. When it comes to Morris, I mean, he's been playing effective enough, but there are those times that they're really targeting him on defense. I want to ask you this with Michael Porter Jr. going in for the rest of the series, even if it does go out to a six or seven game type of scenario. How much do you continue to play MPJ? Laker Tom talked about his great shooting, but you also talked about how he's becoming a big target on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, it's... He, he provides more offense than Millsap, but if he's in the game, you're going to go after him. And it's tough if you're Denver, if you have him and Jokic on the floor together, because Jokic is going to just play drop defense, and then which will give up, you know, pull up jumpers. But then Murray, just, not Murray, but uh, Porter Jr. Just he doesn't have the the experience, the toughness. He just is a target. And if he was just an average defender. He could probably play 35, 36 minutes a game. And I wanted to add something real fast. I just saw on Twitter that AD did his press conference and he didn't have his ankle wrapped up. Yes. But that's always a good sign. Yes, that's always a good sign. I know we were talking about it yesterday with Bam at a bio. No news is good news usually. Yes, and he wasn't listed on the injury report, I don't think, for, for tomorrow's game, at least as of now. So that's mm-hmm. a good sign for Miami fans because Laker Tom already has them in the NBA Finals as well. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Magigan. Yeah, no, I just wanted to add something to what uh, Raphael said. And um, maybe you guys would agree, maybe not. But it seems like if you surround Porter with at least three good to great defenders on the court, I don't think his liabilities would show as much. Well, it's the same concept you have with Ben Simmons. If you put four great shooters around him, he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb as much because he's able to go ahead and, and be more effective. It's just a situation with somebody that sticks out on offense. If you have uh, four great offensive players and then you have someone like, for instance, uh, Roberson, Andre Roberson of Oklahoma City, who mm-hmm. always stuck out, you know, just put him to the side and there you go. Hope, you know, maybe once in a while he'll make a three for you. I mean, if you have a great offensive game, you're able to go ahead and work over those blemishes. But the problem is with the way the nuts, the Nuggets rotation is, I said the Nuts rotation, the Nuggets rotation is, uh, I'm thinking Nuts already because I'm hungry, but Nuggets rotation is, you know, it's it's hard for them to go ahead and camouflage Michael Porter Jr. on that defense end with so many great defenders because the Nuggets don't have as many great defenders, especially with Will Barton out of the lineup. Well, I don't think it's they don't have enough defenders. I just think Jokic is their star player, and you have to have him on the court. So you you can't play them both together. He, and can't, remember, commit, he can't commit to the defense as much as like like you would like him to see because he, like yeah. you said, he's our star player. And also, I mean, Utah got up 3-1 to one because they were trying to play them a lot of minutes together. And then once Malone started to cut Porter's minutes, uh, Utah got back in that series because Donovan Mitchell was just eating him alive on on the ball screens. I think, I, I forgot, I mean, it seems like it was so long ago, but there was like some stat where they were shooting like 68% on plays where Porter Jr. was the primary defender. So once he made that change, they got back in the series. And I mean, I just think like they need his offense, even though like today he made some big shots, but I felt like they were tough shots that you live with as a Lakers fan. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you, uh, they, there were several times where Denver made some really tough shots. You just got to go say, you know what? We'll get you the next time around because those were some great shots indeed. They just they made life very difficult for Denver on the defensive end. So I think the defensive scheme and the way they did it was really just something that I, I think was the key. 
We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Laker Tom, before we go ahead and head on out and, and catch up on what you, Raphael, and Magic Man are doing on our various outlets, I want to go ahead and catch up with you as far as your final thoughts on how the Lakers laid this out defensively. Well, I think they had a – it was kind of interesting in the first half when they were mixing in the zone. Um, obviously, Denver seemed prepared for the zone. Um, I think that one of the big adjustments that Frank made, and it was one of the things that several people had pointed out as well as me, that uh, they didn't play that micro lineup with Morris at the five at all. Um, that lineup had been killing them. Uh, they had tried it as a as an antidote when uh, Plumlee was on the floor instead of Joker. Um, and basically, anytime that Morris was in the game, he, he was in the game either with Howard or with with AD playing the five. I just want to say real quick, interesting how it's effective. Like one series, the micro ball works. Mm-hmm. One series, well, it no, doesn't. The micro, ball, the micro ball that worked in the Rocket series was with AD at the five. Yeah, but it, it also had Markeith Morris, Morris there. The five. Yeah. Probably but even more. and that's that's is that really microball? The Lakers microball lineup is still bigger than well, well the microball lineup basically was with Morris at the five and LeBron at the four. That's a pretty small lineup. But uh, no, they had yeah, AD not, and and Morris in that sense. But you still don't have anybody who can let's say stop a Plumley underneath or or a Joker underneath. Um, but what, driving the pass, he doesn't Morris, even look to shoot. <laughs> but Morris at the four, but the Morris at the four does, even though he had some obviously difficult moments in late in the game is it stretches it stretches the defense out and it does mm-hmm. give you instead of joker hunting out of guard he has to hunt out a 68 245 pound power forward in in morris so you you you've got a third big defender in there besides lebron and ad or lebron and howard um and i think that that's a big factor in how they played the defense because especially you know, as even though he's a little bit older and a little bit over the peak of his career, um, the the Nuggets come out with two pretty good guys when you've got Millsap and, and Joker on the floor. Those are two guys that can hold their own with almost anybody in the league as far as body strength, and, and they can both take him, post you up. So it, it gets becomes a real difficult thing. Then you put in you put in a Porter or, or a Grant who. Uh, are both excellent players in that size. You've got a different size situation. So the microball stuff didn't really work at all. Um, I still think that Morris at the four and 80 at the five, which was a good deal of how we finished this game, is a good combination for the Lakers. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that Markeith got, got himself in a couple of tough situations where he picked up a couple of fouls and made a key turnover right there in the end that could have cost us. Fortunately, it didn't. But... Uh, you know, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with Frank's decisions, um, even though I know that he's going to always make the decision weighted toward defense. Um, you know, he, he started he started Howard, and it was a great move. Absolutely, he was. And uh, A04, A04QE, thank you so much for telling uh, us out there. Thank you so much for the comments. Great points uh, was what he was trying to convey. So, Great job by Laker Tom, Raphael, and Magic Man on their thoughts on today's game. But before we head on out, my friends, you got to go ahead and catch up with our audience out there exactly what's going down with what you're working on. So, Magic Man, I'll start with you first as a blog editor for the Lakerholics.com site. What you taking care of for the great site known as Lakerholics.com? Well, unfortunately, I have to watch Celtics and uh, heat film right now. So taking a look at that and looking at game five, I'm I'm picking a, a Boston win. Uh, as much as I hate to do this, I had to do it last series too with the Raps. I just think there's too much fight in them to, to go down 4-1. I think they at least take it to six, possibly still seven. Um, but 
If I could add a footnote to what Tom was talking about the zone, what did anybody check out NBA TV last night after the Heat won, and check out Kevin McHale? He was basically saying that during the season, the Heat didn't play a lot of zone. And I just about jumped out of my seat and and lost myself because with Myers Leonard in there, they had to play a lot of zone. In the bubble, they didn't play a lot. And, and they employed it against Boston because they saw Nick Nurse do it to, to Boston in the semis. And, you know, that's a little trick Spo picked up. So some of these analysts I find, you know, are are really interesting. the The other thing I heard from two different analysts was not only did the Heat play a lot of zone as part of their normal everyday game play, and I didn't really watch a lot of Heat games, but he also said the one thing that they did that nobody else in the league did was they practiced it. They mm-hmm. actually practice it as part of their regular stratagem that they're going to use in a game all the time. And most teams not only practice it when they're going to pull it as a gimmick, or they give it gimmick practice time. But they gave yeah, it real it, practice time, which is why it was so effective. Well, the stats but are out Most there. teams don't practice. A lot of teams really don't practice a lot. Um, but, but practicing a zone, learning how to make a zone work. Takes I mean, time. It takes time. It's 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 a whole different thing than man to man. It's it's really it's not something you can put together. Uh, you know, you can put it you can put it together, but to really make it work as well as Miami's worked, that really takes not just doing it for two or three games or two or three days before the game in order to pull it. It's something that they worked on all year. It's part of their defensive structure. I mean, Rick Carlisle took hours film to employ his zone against the 2011. He well, didn't have the athlete that other teams had, so he had to use something else. Well, I'm sure right now, it was like a gimmick zone. I think it was like yeah, it was, it was. A zone free throw line and above man when the ball is free throw line extended yeah. or below. You you definitely have to practice that. Well, I'm sure. no kidding. I mean, how do you even know what the rotations are? You know, that's <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Well, I'm sure Synergy and Basketball Reference will send some kind words over to Kevin McHale. Uh, and tell him exactly exact how much they played zone before the bubble and in the bubble. So we'll go from there. But before we head on out, Magic Man, what are you up to at Lakerholics.com? Yep, still working on that BAM article. Uh, work's been uh, keeping me away from it, but uh, I'm about to publish it. So it, it's, like I said, I'm, I'm, I called it first, though. Tom's with me. I think it's going to be a Lakers final and um i think the key matchup in a finals like that would be bam versus ad yeah yeah it's that is a special matchup right there i worry about goran because we don't have anybody in a backcourt that has his experience and ability to score yeah i i worry about him more than i do jimmy because i think lebron can guard jimmy well, we'll talk about that if it gets to that point. But who's going to guard Goran, you know? Well, well, we'll talk about that again if it gets to that point, which it's looking more and more like it because both teams have a three games to one lead. Laker Tom, as Rafael would once again say, what's in the chamber for you heading your way to medium and Lakerholics.com? I got to crack well, up. I already, have, I already have the headline and the excerpt written for the article, and, and it's uh, – Let's just say that it's has to do with uh, elimination games. I thought you were going to say you're going to trade somebody. Five. The Lakers in five and elimination games. There you go. There you go, indeed. Check that out at Lakerholics.com. Be part of the experience today at Lakerholics.com where you catch our great articles from Sean, great articles from Tom, Jamie Sweet with his five great things, and so much more at Lakerholics.com. But before we head on out, Rafael Barlow, you do a tremendous amount of work at NBA Draft Junkies. I know you got a lot of stuff going up there each and every day or each and every week, too, as well. I want to hear your thoughts. I know you dropped a video today, so I want to hear your thoughts on what you're at and, and what you're doing at NBA Draft Junkies. Yeah, just uh, trying to put out as much content as possible. I think I've put out 15 videos in September. 
15 videos in 24 days, either 15 or 16. So I just want to keep that momentum going um, for the next, I guess, I don't know, 50 days or so. And so, um, but that, that's it. Actually, today I don't have anything in the chamber. Usually I have something that I know I can release um, for the next day. Um, I mean, I guess I do, but I, I, I'm just trying to decide if I'm going to put it out. So, um, but yeah, I've been crazy busy the last few days. I don't blame you. And there's a lot of things that you're doing. Please check out his great podcast, NBA Draft Junkies and the Run the Floor podcast. And of course, everything that he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com. And be part of the 12,000 well, 12, plus subscribers at NBA Draft Junkies. For myself, PCC Multiverse on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel coming up tomorrow. Marcus De La Garza and I broke down Xbox's latest purchase of Bethesda and seeing where that's going to head up with the next console generation, plus all the movies that got moved by Disney this week. They're delaying and changing everything around again in the movie world. So check out that coming up. I also have interviews scheduled tomorrow that's going to be on the Lakerholics.com site, plus also everywhere you get your podcast coming up in the not-too-distant future with the author of the number one book, number one book, Basketball Biographies, the number one basketball biography now on Amazon, Three Ring Circus about Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Lakers dynasty. I will have on Jeff Perlman tomorrow. I'm going to go ahead and have a special interview, so search out for that either live on the Lakers Fast Break Facebook page, Lakerholics.com, or tomorrow afternoon, like I said, coming up there or coming up in the not-too-distant future on the Lakers Fast Break podcast channel. I also have coming up next week the makers, the, the actually the directors of Console Wars, which is the big hit right now, the tremendous critical hit on CBS All Access as far as that documentary is concerned. So I will be having the directors, Blake J. Harris and Jonah Tulis. They'll be coming and joining me next week on the Pop Culture Cosmos. So check it out. Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We broke down NFL Week 3. So, so much more. All the great stuff going on. Lakerholics.com, NBA Draft Junkies, and also Lakers Fast Break you have any questions or comments or think Laker Tom is just playing crazy when he does his trades at Laker Tom on Twitter at Barlow 500 for Raphael at NBA draft junkies for Raphael. Sean, you got a Twitter handle. I've never asked. Not yet, Gerald. Not yet. Okay. Avoid Twitter at all costs. My friend, it's a dangerous <laughs> place. We're at Lakers fast break on Twitter. And if you have any questions, Lakers fast break at yahoo.com. Well, we truly appreciate everyone listening, everyone watching. Thank you so much, A04QE, for the great comment that you provided on today's show. Thank you so much for watching. Rafael and I will be back tomorrow right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.